Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each box is built around one to two books of the month that feature strong female characters and or people of color. Go to littlefeminist.com and use the coupon code WINNER for $5 off when you order or click on the link at matthewcwinner.com podcast to get started today. Support also comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 478. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. This is the first of a series of episodes that'll take us to the end of the year, and will draw near a number of blogs, podcasts, and online outlets that have inspired a number of the guests on the show this past year. I read a lot, but I also miss a lot, and so I count on resources like this and the people behind them to discover new books, connect with new and noteworthy bookmakers, and build my professional learning community in the process. Today, I'm joined by authors Paula Chase Hyman and Kelly Starling Lyons of The Brown Bookshelf, a website and collective designed to push awareness of the myriad black voices writing for young readers. Their flagship initiative is 28 Days Later, a month-long showcase of the best-in-picture books, middle grade, and young adult novels, written and illustrated by black creators. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. I asked Paula and Kelly if they'd like to join me to share those don't-miss titles they've been recommending to friends and colleagues and readers of all ages. And lucky for us, they even brought a couple just for you. Please welcome my guests, Paula Chase Hyman and Kelly Starling Lyons of The Brown Bookshelf. Welcome to the podcast, Paula Chase Hyman and Kelly Starling Lyons. I'm glad, oh my word, you're both here. We're doing it. Hi! Hi! Happy to be here. (laughs) Okay, so uh, Kelly, Paula, I'm going to right away out myself because this is a a little different from most podcasts that I do. Um, I reached out to you both, uh, or rather I made first contact with Paula because Paula's a local Baltimore-ish person like me. Um, MD, MD! (laughs) Maryland school librarians in the house! Um, (laughs) But um, I also 
connected with Paula because I I, I came to realize that she uh, was one of the contributors to the Brown Bookshelf, which happens to be a blog that I've read for years, that I share posts from, that I learn from, that I use as a resource to uh, not only uh, purchase books from my own library, but also to find uh, new books that, that I uh, can bring on and champion on the podcast. You have been instrumental to my education, to my success. So I'm grateful that both of you uh, are here also representing the Brown Bookshelf because uh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we are honored to be here. Thank you for your support. Absolutely. I didn't know where to go from there. Just thank you, right? We can always just land on thank you. Um, <laughs> so, Paula, why don't I start with you? Would you mind introducing yourself to the people listening, who you are, and, and you know, what you do? Also, let's make sure we talk about So Done. Well, obviously, I'm an author, um, but... I am also what I have named myself an inclusion Jedi. Um, uh, when as soon as I started writing, um, I was connecting with other authors and just talking about how we could uh, fill the gap in uplifting books. And that's how the Brown Bookshelf came about. So even though being an author is, I guess, the first thing that I do and in, in, in how you and I met, of course, it's it feels secondary to you know the cause of making sure that books gets to readers um and of course i always want my books to get to readers and my middle grade debut so done um has has gotten a lot of critical praise what i am wondering is if it's getting into the hands of readers and i hope that it is and i hope that the critical praise helps it to get there but um you know it's a book about friendship and how a friendship can reach a crossroads and and what happens when that when when it reaches there because i don't think we often tell students that friendships sometimes end and how do you deal with it when a friendship may be coming to an end so at the crux of it um so done is definitely about how these two young ladies um, are coming to terms with where their friendship is. Unfortunately, they um, share a somewhat of a dark secret, and that is a wedge in their friendship. And it's also the cause for one of the causes for, for why they reached a crossroads. Well, I think that knowing any one of us is putting the kids first, putting the children first, putting that focus on inclusion first, on that uh, knowing that that these are hands and minds that not only we can help shape, but that will ultimately help shape the world, these children. And so to have your focus on them, I mean, you're talking, you're talking to a librarian. That's all I ever do is focus on making sure that they are centered in my program, that they know that what we all do in this world serves them. So, you know, you're, you're in good company, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I say that too to to the people listening. I know that that we're all drawn around around I mean it takes a special type of person to be drawn for working in any type of field working directly with children. And so I'm glad that that we have this community together and I'm glad that it's brought me um to 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 be crossing paths with you Paula and also also Kelly. It's great to be crossing paths with you. Would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you? Sure. My name is Kelly Starling Lyons. Like Paula, I'm committed to inclusion and equity. Um, along with being an author, I'm also a teaching artist. So I'm often in schools helping kids tell their own stories. Um, what I write most often are picture books, um, historical fiction picture books that 
focus on family and on freedom, and that celebrates uh, African Americans as change change makers. Uh, my latest project is the Jada Jones chapter book series, which has been really wonderful and really um, brought me to a new audience. Jada is a girl who loves science. She collects rocks, and she represents the girls, the kids that I see when I go to schools who never get their stories told, who aren't the stars of stories. And so I really wanted to center um, this this African-American girl who, like uh, a bit like what Paula said, um, she has a situation where a, a friendship has changed. Her friend moves away all the way across the country. So she has to navigate that. You know, how is she gonna make new friends? And in the case of the first book, how is she gonna make a rock star science project? Um, so it's been really fun to um, get a chance to share with kids who love chapter books and really get connected to the characters and see themselves and parts of their friends and the stories. So I feel really blessed to have the chance to share my stories and also to share the works of so many African-American authors and illustrators who are, who are unsung and whose stories deserve to be on book, bookshelves and in stores and in children's homes. And that's why I'm so uh, proud that Paula and Varian invited me to be part of the Brown Bookshelf, really committed to, to our mission and thankful for the work that you do too, Matthew. Well, I've got to say that my students are no stranger to Jada Jones, or rather maybe she's no stranger to them. Um, we know Jada and love her and love that Vanessa Brantley Newton's art is on there too. Yeah. Bringing her yes. to life. That is a name we also know. Um, one of, one of, uh, this might've been something that Paula and I talked about when we were uh, presenting together at the state library conference, but one of, one of, my proudest moments with my students is that so many of them now know authors by name. They know not only the series, but they're getting to know the names of the people behind them. That's so important to me, not only because they can see themselves in that role, but they can also name them as role models, as people to look up to as their own heroes. So the fact that they know Jada Jones and they know you, Kelly, is a really cool thing. So thank you. Thank you both for for writing to fill our libraries, for writing to connect with our readers. Thank you. No, thank you. So you are we're mentioning Varian as well. You you are a part of the Brown Bookshelf. Do you, would one of you like to just share briefly what that website is for those that haven't encountered it yet? I'll certainly link to the post, but but um, share a little bit about what someone would find visiting Brown Bookshelf today. Um, I'll, I'll start, but, you know, I definitely <clears throat> hope that Kelly um, jumps in. Uh, I can talk about the origins because it was um, an idea that Varian Johnson and I came up with. Um, we knew each other from uh, the Blue Board message board where a lot of writers, uh, many who are best selling today, came together and kind of talked about the angst of, of publishing. And he had already been published. I had a debut and, and we just talked about how difficult it was to get attention, regular attention for our books. And I think there's this innate um, instinct in authors to want to uplift one another. And so we thought, you know, how about we, we try something where we can bring more attention to black kid lit authors. And we each, you know, went to someone else and asked if they would, um, would come aboard. I asked Kelly and he asked Don Tate. 
and it was born. I mean, I've, I've been so grateful. It's been 11 years. And the fact that uh, Kelly and Dawn said yes was amazing. But more importantly, at some point, both Varian and I stepped back for many years and Kelly and Dawn kept it going. Um, but its whole purpose is to uplift black kid lit creators. Um, initially, it was specifically for those who were under the radar. But now I think Kelly, do you agree that we, we've really just been about trying to uplift as many of the books as possible, whether they're older books or newer books or books that aren't even yet out yet, but on the, on the come up? Yes, definitely. Um, I think that the focus still, we try to make sure people know about books that, you know, have, have kind of slipped, slipped out of view or, um, you know, may not be on their radar, but our um, overall purpose is just to make sure that all the many African-American authors and illustrators are being recognized. You know, every year we look at those stats from the Cooperative Children's Book Center, where you see that in the case of, um, you know, many uh, people of color and, and uh, Native um, authors and illustrators, more of our stories are being told by others than by us um, in terms of those that are being published. So we want to definitely shine a light on us telling our own stories and give people a chance to just see the full range of the work from the past that has led to the work that we're doing now. We often um, have a celebration of, of, of van, vanguard guard authors who have paved the way for us and for others, mm. as well as recognizing those that have, you know, have the big names and those that are on the way up too. And Paula and Varian really, you know, blazed a trail that Don and I have been proud to follow and to uh, build with them. And we have to also mention that our team has 10 um, members in all. All of us are working authors and illustrators, and we all bring a different lens and a different um, understanding to the team so that we can really fully cover the full breadth of African-American children's literature. There are so many books that I have discovered through your site because you were talking about them first that I've realized, as so many of us do, that uh, you realize these people are local to me. This author is, like with Paula, like, oh my word, we could be seeing each other every week if we, if we wanted to. We're so close to each other. <laughs> and that, to, to all, in any book, for me to find out not only that this book exists, but then that this is a person that I I could actually see at a library conference, at a, a school visit, at a, a book festival is is really outstanding. And I think what I'm doing is dancing around one of the books I think we might be talking about tonight. So <laughs> let me hold back um, because I, I do specific. There's one specific book this year that um, I owe all praise and all gratitude to the Brown Bookshelf for turning me on to. And I don't know if it's one of the books that either of you are going to be sharing tonight, but I will make sure that I bring it up because um, because of the gratitude I have for you for showing it to me. But as stated earlier, um, the reason also why I wanted to invite you all on is because I want to talk to you about these sort of don't miss titles of the year from 2018. I know there's always books that I read that I just can't stop talking about. Um, and I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if I reached out to the blogs that I follow so regularly and see if those 
uh, content creators also have books that they want to make sure that people don't miss. So why don't we get started? Um, Kelly, I know that uh, p- when we were planning this, Paula said that you tend to focus a little more on on uh, picture books and books for younger readers, much like I do being uh, seated in the elementary school library world. Right. And Paula, you tend to focus more on middle grade and YA. But um, I don't I don't think there's an issue with uh, going back and forth and just talking titles back and forth. So, um, Kelly, since we were just talking to you, why don't you start is there a, sure. a book you want to start with up front? Why don't we say the name of the book and the author and, and illustrator if it has one and just a little book talk about what what the book's okay. about. Great. Yeah. One of my absolute favorites of the year is Mommy's Kimar by Jamila Thompson um, Bigelow. A Tom- Tom Kins Bigelow, sorry, illustrated by Ebony Glenn and published by Salam Reads. I love how it centers an African-American Muslim girl. Um, it shows her loving family. It celebrates her imagination. Um, you know, her mom's flowing head scarf in her eyes is not just something that is um, there for pride and, and, and for um, protection and connectedness to faith and to culture but in her eyes it's also magic and I love how we get to see her imagining herself as a queen with a train and shining like the sun when she has on her favorite color yellow and like a superhero Um, there's a part in the story when her grandma mom mom comes to visit and that part's really special too because mom mom is of a different faith and I love how it shows that families um, you know, can love each other and be different faiths and, you know, all this um, interconnectedness. I also um, think that it's a beautiful kind of sensory journey. She talks about her mother's coconut oil in her hair and she talks about cocoa butter on, on, on her skin and so many touchstones that kids will be able to relate to as they read. The illustrations are glorious. They're just full of color, full of joy, full of love. And the final image where the little girl takes that thought of her mom's Kimar with her into her dreams is just really powerful. So I'm grateful for this book. I think in this time that's really divisive where people are painting certain uh, people from certain faiths, certain races and uh, negative ways, we need books like this so that kids can really see the, the, the true beauty in each other. That book is exceptionally beautiful, and I love the page where it has all of Mommy's Kimars hanging, and you just see that rainbow of... Yes. Oh, such a beautiful book. Wow, that's that's quite a starter there, Kelly. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> did, okay. did you guys see... There was, there was actually um, a tweet I think from the author today about how um, some, a, a little girl came to school dressed as the character from that book. Did, oh, you, did you all see that? No, I didn't no. see that. Wow. Yeah, I, I just I saw it today. Know. So that's, you know, that's serendipitous. Oh, yes. Very cool. That's, I'm glad, I mean, it does not surprise me that a child, a reader, gives back that way. And it's so right. important for that very reason to have the opportunity to bring an author to a school or to Skype with an author. I'm, I'm glad that, that that child was able to make that connection. Ah, wonderful. Okay, so uh, Paula, where do you want to start? What book do you want to share first? 
Okay, so the first book that I want to share is Like Vanessa by Tammy Charles. Um, and I specifically picked this book because I, I, one of the things that I love is being able to see so many books um, featuring African-American characters that go outside of what many young readers are used to seeing their stories told about. And um, Like Vanessa is about a young lady who was inspired by the fact that Vanessa Williams was the first black Miss America. And that happened back in 1984. And I was 14 at the time. And apparently Tammy Charles was probably around the same age um, and, and was impacted by it. What I find interesting is that you, there's a part of me that thinks that young readers today, especially young middle grade readers, someone who's going to be maybe nine or 10 years old reading this book, there's a part of me that feels like they may not understand how significant that was, that she was the first because of the time we're in. And then there's a part of me that's like, you know what, maybe they do understand the significance because we're still working so hard for equality when it comes to um, Blacks in the mainstream. So what I love about like Vanessa, not only is not only that it's dealing with telling the story through the lens of, you know, someone who's uh, a young person who's seeing this happen, but then she herself you know, is a singer and um, is encouraged, you know, by her family and, and her teachers to to enter this um, this her school's pageant. And she has a lot of trepidation about it. And I think a lot of the trepidation, you know, lends itself to the fact that she's a dark skinned um, black girl. We don't talk about that in what we call mixed company. And so for this book to come out and have, you know, readers of all races kind of look into um, the complexity of the light skin versus dark skin and, and how we view ourselves. You know, obviously, Vanessa Williams was a very fair skinned person, but I just love that the book tackles that. I love that, you know, it's about family and family supporting her in this endeavor and, and trying to get her, you know, to believe in herself. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those kind of stories where it, it, it's so timely. It's, this is a good time for it to come out because again, it, that was significant. That was 34 years ago. So there, you know, I'm sure that my daughter's like, what's the big deal, but it is a big deal. And, and I think this is the right time to remind young readers what a big deal it, it was. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. I have had friends talk about that book and I have have not read it but to hear you book talk it makes me want to makes me want to put it on the top of the pile <laughs> well kelly let's let's bounce back to you what, what do you have next sure um hammering for freedom by rita lorraine hubbard illustrated by john holyfield mm. published by leon lowe i um, literally re read this book to students today oh did Please you share oh <laughs> Man, yes. it is yes go. it's such an empowering and touching story um, it's about an enslaved man William Bill Lewis um, in Tennessee and he's watching his family wilt you know under the oppression of slavery and he makes a plan to do something about it he trains as a black blacksmith um, you know he, he's enslaved on the plant plantation, but he has this dream of being able to buy his family 
And so because he's he's brilliant and he's um, focused and he's determined, he comes up with the idea that he will ask if, if he can rent his freedom and keep the money that he um, earns after that. And one by one, he does just what he dreams of doing. He frees his wife and his son and his brothers and his sister and his mother. And I love the onomatopoeia in the story, the, the cling clang and ding ching and how every time you see, you know, his his uh, determination and his hard hard work, and you know what it's going for, you set up a little bit taller. I love that it's so um, so often talk about stories of displaced people, and it's important that that the stories center African Americans as agents of change, of being able to push for their own freedom. I think that's really important so the kids, when they're hearing them, hear, hearing these stories in classes, they aren't shrinking, that they're sitting up tall and feeling proud of you know, who they've come, come from. And I think that this, this book gives us something just to feel really proud about. I, I also love one of the final, um, the final pictures where it's him with his whole family who is all yes. free together. And on the back of the book, on the back cover, is actually the real Bill Lewis, um, a photograph of him with his family. Other thing that I thought was really cool is that in the author's notice shares, there's a plaque in downtown Chattanooga that was erected in his honor. And think about how every day we walk past those markers and those plaques. Yeah. And though they're being recognized there, we don't know their larger story and how, how they can move people and inspire people. So cheers to Rita for you know, really celebrating this un, unsung hero and for honoring the strength of the black family, for centering an African-American, uh, you know, formerly enslaved man as an agent of change, showing, showing him as a blacksmith. Um, I just love everything about it and uh, just really grateful that she wrote it and that Leanne Lowe published it. Kelly, my fourth graders that I was reading it to were also so taken aback by how how well Rita talks about cost, cost of yeah. freedom, cost of um, of buying freedom. The um, the time I think Bill starts renting his and has to you know open his own blacksmith shop. He's in his twenties though, and I know he works until what did it say like sixty eight? It yeah. was well into his life, and ends up um, buying this house that they say cost two thousand dollars and the significance in how she wrote it that almost almost on the page before he had right. just freed his brothers for that same cost so for them to know that these lives were that, that that's what two thousand dollars meant at that time i thought that's right. so powerful to to to, to seed it in those in that in, in that that tangible connection that that way yeah it was just uh yeah that was amazing. And, and I, I should mention too something I really loved about John Holyfield's art is you know in the scenes when Bill you know has the money and he's going back to the plantation with his escort because because he had to have a white escort to make the transaction for the sale, and they're showing the joy of the family member who's he's who 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 he's purchasing, and then showing the mix of emotions of those who were left behind for now. 
And I thought that was really powerful too. But the um, juxtaposition and and just knowing that as a reader, we're seeing that, but also Bill is seeing that, and that's motivating him even more to keep working hard to buy everyone. Very powerful storytelling. Very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, let's go back to you, Paula. I, I can't. I can't even. We are three books in. Oh my word! <laughs> you're, you're already having overload. Look at I am giddy. I'm giddy. That this this is one year in publishing, and we are three books deep in talking about it. And these are the stories coming out for children. There's hope here. It's so beautiful. Well, I'll continue with that hope and and also with, um, you know, just turning the lens on kids who need to see themselves reflected. My next book is Hurricane Child by Karen Callender. And I chose this book because no shock here. I like books that venture into taboo territory. Um, So Done definitely does that. And um, and I and I use the word taboo in quotes. I like books that are not afraid to talk about tough topics um, for younger readers. We don't have to wait for our kids to become high schoolers before we allow them to look at certain topics. And Hurricane Child in particular deals with a 12 year old who, you know, has her own, you know, usual typical issues of a 12 year old. She's being bullied. Um, she's called a hurricane child because she was born during born during a hurricane. And so there are some magical and mystical elements to the story that, you know, I think really help to to soften the edges of, of the subject matter. But um, what draws me to this is the fact that um, Caroline, the main character, befriends um, a new girl uh, named Kalinda, and they, you know, grow close because Kalinda is a much more self-confident person. Um, here's another story where our main character is um, a dark-skinned child, so, you know, she is dealing with that baggage. There is no secret in the Black community of, you know, how that does still to still tend to have its own baggage. So I like that books are bringing attention to it, um, to other readers, so they can kind of help um, other readers understand and also help our own children deal with that baggage so that maybe one day it won't be baggage. But she and Kalinda become friends and then Caroline realizes that she has feelings stronger than friendship for her. So the very fact that you know, we have a book that's dealing with a child who is, you know, having this realization about her burgeoning sexuality and the fact that, you know, she likes other girls, like is a bravo for me because, you know, this is the kind of thing that too often we're like, oh, the kids aren't ready for this. The kids aren't ready for this. And we say that without acknowledging that kids are going through it. So we're making the kids who are going through it invisible because we're trying to shield other kids from it for whatever reason. So, um, you know, this is this is definitely, you know, the type of book that is very present and relevant right now. And again, I love the magical and mystical elements because, you know, it, it there does need to be something else. Sometimes it's kind of one of the hacks, right, to how you write about tough topics is is you make sure that you infuse some other things so that that doesn't become the only thing that it's about. Yes. Yeah. So that it doesn't. So that there's a way in for people to connect. And then once they're connected, you can, they're ready to listen. 
they're ready exactly. to open their eyes. They they trust um, that that their experience is maybe not so different. Um, what is it? Same, same, but different is the quote. Yes. I always go back to yeah, uh, yeah. Hurricane Child. I can picture the cover of that one too. It had yeah, it's gorgeous design, didn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, beautiful. All right, Kelly. What do you have for number three? Okay, um, Auntie Luce's Talking Paintings by Francie Latour, um, pictures by Ken Daly, and published by Groundwood Books in Toronto. Um, I love the gorgeous, lush imagery from the minute you open the book. It's like you can step into the pictures. I've, I've never been to Haiti but it just brings it to life in such a powerful way. I love how the opening spread um, talks about, you know, this image of the little girl has been painted by her aunt. And it, it's just such an uh, affirming portrait, just the way uh, that her aunt sees, you know, all these beautiful things about her. And it's so important for all girls of color and native girls to be centered in that way, because so often, they're not not shown in in popular media and really celebrated. So I love that right from the beginning of the book, it um, you know shows this little girl in her um, you know beauty and um, sets sets that against this homeland. Um, the other thing that I really love about it is that it shows that though this little girl was not born in Haiti, that it still lives within her, and she's learning ab- about her homeland through her aunt's paintings and through her memories of visits when she's walking around. And the author does such a great job of not just um, showing through, uh, you know, the colors and um, mentioning uh, certain special things about Haiti, but also really connecting it to the history of Haiti. A lot of people don't know it was the first black republic founded by enslaved people and that's a history of pride and of strength and so often you know Haiti doesn't get the recognition and celebration that it should um I love that we hear the clink of the jars and the colors of the houses that she references Haitian heroes like Dessalines and and Ouverture and you know all these people and uh, along with that she also puts her own family up there as heroes too um, I, I love that she connects it back to Africa. She talks about Benin and, and other places and how even though she wasn't born, it was part of her. It mixes in frail words, which is, um, you know, wonderful too. Uh, a great, great way for um, kids to connect with a new culture and for those who from that culture to see, feel like they are seen. And, um, you know, once again, this is a story that was inspired by something real. The author happened to have a chance meeting with a celebrated artist who painted her portrait. And so that was what in, inspired this, this really beautiful, um, touching, um, vibrant tale about Haiti and how it is part of the people there and, and those who have moved away. The way that that book speaks to how in, in you, in your face, in your hands, you carry a history right that you are the you're part of something bigger than you that uh, and, and and the way it also connects it with um in the painting uh the different 
the different colors, the reds of the rivers and the blue of the mountains. I just found that the art was so vibrant and the story was just, it was something that I feel like when I shared that with children, even they didn't, didn't know what to expect coming into the story, which perhaps made them even more vulnerable to the way that that book, the way that that book speaks to you and really speaks a history to how important you are and how beautifully made you are. And and what what I loved about it too is it didn't shy um, away from tough tough moments too. It talks about the, the, the beauty and, yeah. and it talks about the earth earthquakes and it talks about you know d- um, difficult moments. But you know that's what makes all all places special. And you know often um, Haiti you know has been uh, you know kind of stereotyped and demonized in 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 certain ways. And I think this is a great way for people to know. The, the true beauty of this um, really special nation that was an inspiration to African-Americans and um, African people all over the world yeah. for, you know, standing up in the way that it did. Um, so, yes, I, I, I really love this, this story. I think it's an, it's an empowering story. I love how she mixes in culture like the um, music of Haiti and the sights. And, yeah, that, it would definitely be in one of my top. If top I'm not, five list. If I'm not mistaken, it's it, it. I believe that that was also one of the books that I first heard about on the Brown Bookshelf. Oh, it great! Is, it is one that um, it's it's one that I hold up as really really special, and I'm glad Kelly to hear that you do too because um, <laughs> because it is because <laughs> it's that good. It's really good. Uh, Paula, I'm. I know that I'm already going to be like pulling up my Amazon page to start ordering more books <laughs> after you share your next one. But um, here we go. What's your well, number three? <laughs> well, I I, I was um, I left something important out, and I'm and I'm glad that Kelly's book um, was um, from Haiti because I forgot to mention that Hurricane Child, of course, takes place in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and and as she indicated, it's so important, you know, to to show the different cultures. Um, you know, we often say, you know, being um, black is not monolithic because there are many different black cultural experiences. And but usually even when we say that we're talking about Americans. So, uh, you know, the fact, and I mean, you are American if you live in the U.S. Virgin Islands, but the Caribbean is, you know, very different culture. So um, that it's important to note that. Support for the Children's Book Podcast also comes from the Highlights Foundation, hosting intimate and inspiring workshops for children's authors and illustrators. Thinking about writing for children? Or have you always wanted to write a children's book but aren't quite sure how it works? Join us March 21st to 24th, 2019 for Everything You Need to Know About Children's Publishing, a Crash Course and learn everything there is to know about the children's publishing world, including how the publishing process works, how to know when you're ready to submit a manuscript, how to find which publishers to submit to, how contracts work, the editorial and marketing process, and a whole lot more. And you'll hear from a number of people in the industry who can help to understand the process. Faculty includes Harold Underdown, Leah Henderson, Rachel Werner, Allison Green Myers, Lindsay Barrett George, and me. Yep, I'll be there too. Registration is now open. Visit highlightsfoundation.org. 
and from Viz Media. Viz is excited to announce that Pokemon Adventures, the most popular and longest-running Pokemon comic, is now available digitally. Visit viz.com Pokemon to read a free preview of the beloved All Ages series. That's viz.com Pokemon. My next book is by one of my Brown Bookshelf colleagues, um, Olubemi Sola Rude Perkovich, and it is the sequel to her middle grade novel, um, Two Naomi's. This sequel is Naomi's Two, and what I love about uh, Naomi's Two and just just the story of um, the Naomi's period are when you look at how challenging conversations about race can be um, among adults. The fact that the Naomi's books tackles how two young ladies have to tackle it. I believe they're only about 12 years old. And the fact that now they are dealing with the same issues that some of us only have to deal with, you know, at our job or, you know, uh, maybe in our social circles because our kids are playing sports or, you know, in academic circles, they are dealing with this at home. So in Naomi's two, uh, we're, we're looking at Naomi E and Naomi Marie and now their parents who are, uh, it's an interracial couple. So the mom is black and the dad is white. And so the two girls are now, um, their parents are now married and they are having to, you know, deal not only with the usual uh, issues that come with a blended family. I mean, if you think about it, um, Naomi E was an only child and now she's coming to this family um, with, with not one, but two stepsisters and one being younger. And so, you know, not only is she dealing with those things, but she's dealing with a reality when she goes to school and is now faced with, you know, her friends and, and, and everybody having to deal with the fact that she has this new blended family. It's incredible to think about how difficult it must be for the two of them, because essentially one of the Naomi's Naomi E doesn't quite understand how Naomi Marie feels when you're talking about, um, her her having to deal with the pressure of being black. And so I just love that. I love that they're putting, you know, they're they can't escape it because they're they're stepsisters now. They're living in the same house. And so it's just something that's like so uncomfortable. But yet here it is, you know, in the story and and having to deal with it as a family, having to talk to the girls as a family. And I love the way that um Bimmy always incorporates the food. It's always about cake and bakeries because they love pastries. So again, you know, back to that element where, you know, there's always something to to take some of that tension away from us as we, you know, watch these two young girls struggle with, again, something that most adults aren't doing a good job with sometimes. Mm. The author also published a picture book this year. I remember a nonfiction picture it book. It's a beautiful one. Yes. Yeah, some days now. Yeah, some days yeah. now. I was saying I could picture the cover. Um, yeah, beautiful. Hey, um, I'm watching our time and realizing that 
as happens in good conversations, it's slipping through our fingers. Oh, so okay. <laughs> to, to respect our time, um, w- would you mind if we just sort of do a lightning round of whatever books you have left? Kelly, I'll sure. turn to you first and just share um, the name of the book and um, maybe just a, 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 a quick line about why it's a don't miss title for you. Share whichever okay. ones you have left, by all means. Yep. Okay, so the next uh, is Memphis Martin and the Mountaintop by Alice Faye Duncan, by, illustrated by Gregory Christie, published by Calkins Creek. And I love how it centers a girl who's a witness to history. It mixes poetry and pro- prose. It shows the innocence of the child, the dignity of the sanitation workers, and how often in stories that um, have Dr. King in them, he's the focus. And the focus of this one really is on the community. And it's so beautifully told. And it's a, a story that shows kids the power that they have as witnesses and also agents of change. Yes, beautiful story. Uh, Alice, um, I I uh, interviewed her two nights ago. <laughs> oh, great! She has a, another uh, a book coming out. I think January first about Gwendolyn Brooks. That yes, you'll have to that read is it. beautiful. Oh my word, that's gorgeous yeah. as well. Wonderful. Thanks, Kelly. You brought a whole bunch of good books to share with us. I appreciate that. Oh, did well, you want me to mention my last oh, one, too? Yeah, or oh, you want totally. To... Okay. I didn't know how many you okay. had. You can mention 12 more if you have one. them. <laughs> nope, the last one is We Rise, We Resist, We Raise Our Voices, which is an anthology edited by Wade and Cheryl Hudson and published by Crown. And this is um, you know, such an important book in these times when kids are um, not, not sure where to find hope. There's so much hate being sown. And um, this is a, a, a story that offers comfort. It's a collection of more than 50 voices um, that's bringing you, um, you know, stories of hope and of comfort and joy through essays, letters, poems, and stories. And it's really for uh, budding activists. And it's another one that doesn't shy away from tough, tough moments. But really, you know, helps helps them find the the light at the end, and they have power um, within them. past generations. Kelly, that was the book. That was the book. Oh, that was, was like, I okay. you you shared a series of posts on it. I um not only did I devour the book, and then the audiobook came out, and I devoured yes. that, and then yes. they came to the Baltimore Book Festival. Oh my okay. word, that that book. <laughs> That book is everything to me. We are hoping to to um, bring um, bring um, them out to talk to our, our fifth graders uh, oh, or to the whole school because I know they, they have their own publishing uh, house imprint. Um, yes, I mean that book. That book is has been like <laughs> my, I think it's my copy. Maybe has even been. I can't even talk straight. I need to breathe. Sorry. Hold on. Uh, that copy, though, has just been passed and passed around our staff um, because it's so last year we um, we invited out Jewel Parker Rhodes for Ghost Boys. Oh, great. And yes. that was a book that our entire staff read that book and did a, a staff and student book club. And then Jewel came to our school and we had sort of less of an author visit and more of a book club with the author. And We Rise is the book that I'm saying, this is the book we need to center on this year. So, oh my word. Okay, yeah, sorry. I'm like... (laughs) Yeah, I could just just say too, Wade and Cheryl Hudson, who are the founders of Just Us Books, which is celebrating its 30th anniversary, they have been such trailblazers and they're unsung. So I am so um, proud and so happy 
that they're finally being recognized for all of their hard work through the decades. And they've, you know, given so many authors uh, a chance to be heard in, in including me. So I'm, I'm just overjoyed with what they have created and what, what they're spreading through this beautiful book um, to, to help kids have hope. Because these are really challenging times and we need that today. That is awesome. Wow. I... I'm, you can't see this because we're not using video on Skype, but I am just, <laughs> I have just had a grin the entire time. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you for, for sharing all of those books with us. Paula, I know you have a couple more too. Would you like to share them? Well, I can share mine quickly. My last two are young adult because I, I know that um, you probably have um, many of your listeners probably are looking for the, the books for the younger readers. But um, in case we have some young readers who are avid readers and might be ready for, for this, we do um, have Calling My Name by Liara Tamani, which I really enjoy. It was um, Liara's writing is very poetic and She's dealing with the story of Taja, who um, has grown up in a very strict religious family. And I I feel like this is the first time I've actually read um, a book like this where someone is um, their religion is such a a huge part of their struggle. Um, You have enough peer pressure as a teen, but here she's struggling because she knows she's been brought up a certain way. And, you know, she's dealing with the usual urges of a teen, hormonally and otherwise. And and Liara handles it so beautifully. I mean, the book actually does start with Taja when she's 11, and then it goes up um, through her being 16 years old. But the writing is beautiful. And, you know, I just think that the story is is something that um, it's just not seen enough when, when we talk about how religion plays a part um, in, in some young people's lives and, and what they struggle against when they're out there outside of, you know, where they've been raised. Um, and then the last book um, is Tyler Johnson Was Here by Jay Coles. Um, the Hate You Give, deservedly so, received a lot of attention for its focus on, um, you know, police shootings. But Tyler Johnson was here has the extra added layer of the victim being a twin. And that's the primary reason that I brought it out, because I think that we're probably going to see more and more books, um, what people are probably going to call social justice books, uh, where where it's about police brutality or, you know, the unjust shootings of, of, of black people by cops. But at the crux of the story is the fact that the young that, that you know that the young man was a twin like that devastates me because I cannot even imagine so you know I think it's it's the kind of story where because it involves a shooting people might feel like oh so it's you know sort of like the hate you give right but it's not you know it's really not um, the writing is very different and 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 exploring how these these twins have reached their senior year and one is becoming a little bit disenchanted and but yet the other one is you know kind of ready to to take on the world and then to lose your twin and having to deal with that um you know it's a powerful story well and and similar or not to the hate you give the more books on this topic the more readers have a chance to explore explore through the characters explore through where they see themselves in these experiences like this is all this is not a bad thing um, wow, you, you, I want to thank you both, Kelly, Paula, you have brought books that are, that are challenging, books that uh, are empowering, books that are beautiful, books that are 
all of the adjectives. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I feel really, really grateful, not only uh, for these books to be published, to be accessible by our readers, but also to have uh, good people like you championing them uh, and making sure that they find their readers. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for talking books with me. Um, I'm going to be very preemptive and just say, please mark your calendar to come back next year. I'd love to have you back again for this. But we would love that. More importantly, thank you for now. Thank you for this time we had together. I'm grateful for that. Thank you for having us. I love thank this. Thank you so much. This is Kate Narita, fourth grade teacher and author of the book, 100 Bugs, Accounting Book. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Corina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.